Hey, what's good, people? This is episode 167. This is the Option Podcast. I'm Jason DeBiss. That guy looks like Troy Schlicker. We're going to find out. The episode starts. Yeah, the episode starts <laughs> right now. You can tell I'm taking my own show today, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The entrance song had no the entrance had no no sound <laughs> yeah that's how it goes sometimes like technology yeah. is amazing most of the time but like you get so used to it that the few times it goes something doesn't quite work right it just feels it feels it feels disturbing or it feels kind of like unfamiliar when stuff isn't working properly when it's like oh for the longest time you just dealt without having to deal with it at all so uh, but yeah, just kind of keep, keep running through it. I have a podcast myself. And so it's like, just kind of keep rolling with the punches and do what you gotta do. And that's actually where I want to start. I want to start with your podcast. Um, so no, but before we go, guys, this is one epi- episode 167 of the option podcast. I give the people what they want. I give the people what they want. That's Troy Schlicker. I know him through volleyball, but just like many volleyball players, he is so much more realtor entrepreneur uh um good citizen uh, probably you should be in running for citizen of the world all right so also <laughs> i understand no nonsense i know you run a tight ship yeah. so yeah i appreciate that yeah um and congratulations on having 167 episodes like there's not a lot of people who start a podcast that get get it that far right like you you know everyone you know hears about the joe rogans and you know the amazing podcast and that's that's awesome but like to to get started at something that i'm sure you had no real idea how it would work out and to be this far in is a testament to putting in the work and putting in the hours that's awesome and very much like rogan i when you do it or at least for him i share a similar story like when i first started doing this it was just a chance for like me to invite my friends on and just talk a whole bunch of crap, mm-hmm. right? Like if you remember yeah. Rogan, he started, it was just comedians, right? And then and then it's become, you know, other things. And, you know, yep. when he, he dipped his toe in the political sand, he drew a line in that sand. And now, you know, he's, he's whatever. And, <laughs> and, everyone, and now, and yeah, now he made $100 he, million dollars because of Yeah, it. exactly. He's, and, and it's like every time someone talks about him, he gets more downloads. It creates like this Trizan effect. Yeah. Like the whole COVID thing, like a year ago, he got two two million downloads yeah. <laughs> because of people saying, "Oh, he's right wing or this that." But um, anyway, that's where I wanted to talk about. Talk to me a little bit about your podcast. I've I've known you through volleyball, and you've always been on my radar because you've always been like this interesting person. Um, to me, it's not like the the guys who whoop it up that are interesting. Those are a dime a dozen. But there's something about guys like you that kind of. You roar a little bit, hit the rewind button, and then you're back. And I'm like, okay, what's this guy's story? So we're going to talk about volleyball in a minute, but I want to make this, um, I don't know, like our living room, just like your living room. Look behind yeah. you. That's awesome. Look at that. Um, what's your podcast <laughs> this is, this called? Is, this is from starting podcasts and doing more video kind of stuff and realizing that a blank mm-hmm. beige wall doesn't look very good on video. And so it's like, hey, got to try to spruce it up a little bit. I don't know if it's quite in the camera angle, but I even got the – Beach volleyball back over here and uh some of the avp let's see we go there it is I see it. yeah i got the, the beach volleyball and some of the avp uh badges from from the qualifying days but uh yeah unfortunately for most volleyball players even though we love it it's not really something that pays the bills per se so we have to have lives outside of the sport as well too and mine just happens to be primarily in real estate but also 
uh, a little bit in the small business and entrepreneurial realm of things because I'm here in Austin, Texas, and that's a big part of the community here. So it's been uh, it's it's super fun to learn and try new things. That's one of the things that I loved about beach volleyball. It was you could really do a lot of it. It's not an individual sport, but because it's a, just a two person team thing, like there's a lot of things you can do um, on your own and with your teammate versus having to get a ton of people together. And so, uh, which is, I think, very similar to a lot of small business stuff, a lot of being a realtor. It's about the the work you're going to put in to making yourself better, educating yourself and continue to uh, grind away and, and do it. So, yeah, that's, that's I think very similar themes in a lot of the different things that I do in that regard. Yeah. I am like the wallpaper behind me, right? This is, it's long overdue. I'm actually getting a painter. Um, and it's going, it's not going to be wallpaper anymore. It's actually going to be my wall. Yeah. We're trying, we're trying to find something maybe a little less attractive than oil on canvas, you know, so it's not a glare or whatever, but I'm literally sure. in, in a month, probably this month or next early next month, this is going to be, um literally my wall not wallpaper so nice. I, I appreciate backdrops and this and that and um <laughs> you know, like i say you you, you yeah. go into it having to think different things so you talk about like i gotta make sure i don't have the glare and i gotta make sure yeah. uh that'll actually work, look good on camera versus having it look good in person not that you don't want to look good in person as well too but um it's funny when you start doing video or podcasts that have video elements to it uh the your mindset kind of changes in some of the things that you have to do Yes. So for everybody listening at home, Troy, Troy is like a legit volleyball player um, amongst so many other things because I have an audience besides volleyball now. And before I drive us both off the cliff, what I, where I wanted to go in the beginning um, was talk. I wanted to talk about your podcast. Um, what's the podcast call? I want to walk us, walk us through how it started. And the floor is yours. Yeah. Man. Well, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. So a few years back, probably, it's probably close to three now or so I was doing different research online and it heard that podcasts, you know, seemed like a, a, a thing that was becoming more and more popular. Uh, and so maybe I should try to start one of my own and start a real estate podcast. And the very first podcast I did, which is actually still up, was me just talking into a mic uh, onto my phone to record and then post later. Like I didn't do video, didn't do any of that stuff. And as I'm recording the, the podcast episode, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do five of these, let alone 167 of these like you did. And so I was like, yeah, I see where like maybe maybe other people like to listen to them, but I'm not going to be able to record them. And so that one episode was up by itself for about a month or two. And then in starting to network like I do as a real estate agent a lot and just meet people, I would find and get to hear really interesting stories about why people got into the lines of work they did, why they started businesses they did. And so I'm like, this seemed like an interesting podcast uh, to me was talking about and other people's stories. Like I, I enjoy asking those questions. It's not like, it sounds like you do too, learning about what people are up to and being able to kind of highlight that. So the podcast itself is called the Austin Spotlight Podcast. And I've had it up and running now for again, about three years. And there's probably about 80 or so episodes definitely don't get a an episode in every single week, which would probably be the true goal if it was like where I was making my money type of thing. But uh, but get, you know, 30 or so in a year and get a chance to interview a lot of really interesting people, people that have do, are doing startups here in Austin, people that are small mom and pop businesses, 
And so there's a wide variety, but it's just really cool to hear the stories about what got them passionate about their uh, passionate about their business, what got them into doing what they do and, and why they love doing it. And so it's a lot of, a lot of fun to me. The cool thing is it's like, there is starting to be some traction as you've seen, like you get to a point where, okay, the volleyball is great, but there's more to be, to be done here. And so got in, got ranked as like the number seven Austin based podcast recently on feed sprout. I think it is, or feed spot. One of the two, uh, uh, online organization, which probably doesn't mean a whole lot because I don't know that it requires a whole lot to get a website and then and rank stuff. But that was pretty cool that they even recognized it all. And I actually had um, PR companies reach out uh, periodically now too to get to specifically get guests on versus me always having to do the outreach to do it. So uh, it's a cool, cool thing. And I enjoy doing it, enjoy doing it so much that I actually am have started a second podcast that is just real estate focused as well too. And so, uh, that's what happens. Honest, yeah. Just <laughs> honestly started that this last month and did it a little differently because I didn't, because for me, and I don't know about for you, but the hardest part is finding the continually finding the guests, right? Like you have, when you first start your podcast, you have, Oh, these people sound really cool. And then it's like, well, shoot, that, that, I don't want it to end after <laughs> three months type of thing. And so I got some reoccurring guests in different fields in real estate, mortgage loan officer, real estate attorney, interior designer, home organizer and stuff. And in just having them on once a month to talk about their area of real estate versus, you know, talking about just buying or selling homes, because most people don't do that, except maybe five or 10, every five or 10 years. But most people have an unorganized pantry. Most people have might in, down the road need to refinance a mortgage or pull equity out of their home. A lot of people may have questions when their neighbor puts a fence on their yard. How do they deal with that from a legal perspective? So I think it's I'm I'm excited about that one as well, too. And uh, we'll see if we can get that up to number seven. And the goal for that one is number seven in real estate podcasts in the, in the nation. But it'll it'll take a little time. Hey, with time, um, right? Yeah. Um, all right. Can, um, what was it? You got to break some eggs and make an omelet or something like that. There you uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> before there was a diamond, there was gold. Um, yeah, and um, I guess my suggestion I would give to you because yeah. um, not that I, I started off the right way. I, I take it from a guy who's made a ton of mistakes, but um, I will toot my own horn where I, I say I have a magnificent ability to self-correct. So, um, yeah, because that's something we as human beings are equipped with. We're equipped with the ability to be flawed, but also, <laughs> which isn't used this often, the ability to self-correct. I would say. If you're trying to do something more organized, like on a weekly basis, where that's like the same time every week, less is more. Go, sure. go, go half hour, go small. The reason why yeah. I got away with what I'm getting away with is because you see the average time on some of my episodes, right? Trevor was 38 minutes, but that was an anomaly, right? Kristen Nuss was an hour and a half. Um, Ruth Nelson, one of the long time who's been coaching. I don't know how many times the rules change in 50 years, but that's a long freaking time to be adapting. <laughs> adapting. It feels like they change every other year. So it's a lot of You know what I mean? And the woman has 500 NCAA wins in 16 years. Yep. It's doing something right. So, yeah, so longer form you can get away with periodic and random because people will will stay for you with the long haul or watch it and listen to it in chunks. I live in California. Getting Being stuck in traffic is your life. Um which is why podcasts are, are the most viewed out here. 
I think Texas, New York, and no particular order, Texas, New York, and California, as far as podcast listeners, you know, um, yes. and well, and more people, right? That that quantitatively makes sense, right? So, yeah. so the piece of advice I would give you is if, if you do a weekly show, less is more, half hour, um, doesn't even have to be live, even though um, when when you start doing this more, you're like, you're going to come up, you're going to be like, I need to reach out to someone to show me how to do this live. <laughs> well, so I do the, I do the, um, the Austin spotlight one. I've done that live. Yes. For, for I saw it. <laughs> I was like, I let's that, go. I do, <laughs> yeah, I do that one live and then just record it. Like I'm sure you do. And just take the audio and use that mm -hmm. for the podcast portion of it. The real estate one, I'm not planning to do live because I am mm -hmm. the other goal with that one is to have, to be able to use that in my real estate business as well too right like mm -hmm. to have five or six clips of really good pieces of information hopefully at least right. in each podcast that i can then put on other social media platforms uh instagram facebook linkedin and stuff and so that one um, that one i'm recording so that, and, and it takes the pressure off the guests because a lot of times guests get a little nerve-wracked about going live or how that or even just being on video and so uh doing it that way and not having it be live and being like, yeah, we can fix most, most of the stuff is, is fixable uh, afterwards. So that way it kind of takes the pressure off people. You ever have a guest that didn't know that they were going to, it was going to be video? <laughs> no, I, I, do, I mean, I definitely, I mean, I definitely tell them all that, like how mm -hmm. I record it and stuff. So, I mean, it's possible that they, you know, don't, you know, I don't read all the emails I get. So it's definitely possible that somebody hasn't really, I know I've talked to people who have mentioned that they've mm -hmm. been, usually they'll say it afterwards, but they'll mention that they were really nervous to, to do it. And so that's, um, but they, I don't know that I've really ever had anyone that's come off that way. Like they all seem to be, uh, right. I have, relatively in their comfort zone. So I had a coach who was also an old friend, she DiMaggio. Um, and I, I never dawned on me to tell her it was video because this is a woman who's been like beautiful her whole life. All right. Yeah. She even now at 63, she's pretty, you know, or 60, yeah. 68. Um, still pretty, you know, like one of these strawberry blondes from New Orleans, you know, got that little, has, has a little Cajun, Cajun when she needs to have it on her social circle. But that voice changes, you know, it's all business when it's time to take care of business. So when I told her she was on the podcast, she's like, did you say video? <laughs> she said, I can't do video. And I was like, bitch, you better, th you, you better go call the Crayola people and fix your face and do whatever it is, you know, do whatever it is that women do to that, you know, to make, that yeah. has to make themselves look good. But, but the whole time she's making up and the whole time she's zooming the camera away and this and that. And, <laughs> and what I did was I just, what you do is you concentrate and you make it on the, about the subject matter. And all of a sudden, yeah. These people forget their own camera. They forget, um, you know, I made it about volleyball and she's like trying to answer the question and subconsciously forgetting about what her camera angle. She's talking. And that's what we do with our guests, right? I don't mean to make my guests feel uncomfortable. I don't mean to make ask a question that's going to make my guests cry. You know, yeah. like like Tom Sorensen, we had a great conversation about Marv Dunphy and Dunphy is, you know, the old Pepperdine coach is, um, and the Olympic coach in um, 88 gold medal mm -hmm. well has a special place in a lot of people's hearts uh, the sure. people that played for him Sorensen will say that uh john mayer will say that um um greg shankel who's a middle no one talks about who helped dane blanton and and those guys win a win a chip in 1992 
Um, that's how long he's been there. Stuart Leak, Stork, all of them have something to say. But all, I didn't. What I didn't know because I'm not. You know, I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm, a, I'm a. Sure. I'm. Um. I'm a yeah, man. I'm a man without a people. You know, yeah. yeah. Like I got a great circulation of friends, but I'm a man without a people. So I didn't sure. know. You know, I'm like I ain't trying to make you cry, but okay, cool. <laughs> you know. So. At some point. I would like you to help me with a live function because I'm only able to go live if my, if my guest is in studio. The equipment okay. I have is great HD and can up convert to 4K, but the capability as far as frames per second is only available 50, 59, like 59 frames yeah. per second. And most universal things are like 29 or 30 frames per second. So when mm -hmm. I go live, my data rate, uh, the bit rate exceeds it's whatever what yeah and then no, it starts then it I, starts I, chopping and then it just freezes so yeah I, I will say going live generally probably is going to have a little bit lower video quality um but so i'm able they, to do uh, it in it, studio because in yeah. studio the cameras are here and hmm. and my video switcher which i'm going to show you sorry to interrupt but my, um yeah. the switcher is hardware so and sure. let me go to my camera for a sec looks like this so this thing right there yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's no freezes on that. If the whole world goes yep. to hell, this this thing keeps yeah. recording. That's still so, going run strong. Yeah. yeah. It's called the Atomos Ninja Flame. So so yeah. that has really, really helped me in studio. But I guess the mistake I made was the um availability and capability of doing it in Zoom and at the same mm -hmm. time trying to live stream on Facebook or whatever and this and that. That's that's where yeah. the maximum bit rate exceeds. And maybe I'd love to uh, off camera I'd love to have yeah. a conversation yeah, with you about definitely. that. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So, see if there's something that can be figured out because you know i mean also a lot of times the social media platforms like you to go live like they tend to push that out so it's a way to maybe reach an audience that mm -hmm. won't watch the or listen to the podcast afterwards and, um yeah so I, that that's the main reason i started doing it live was that you could tell that facebook specifically you would get more people viewing it when it was a live video right. than if you just posted after the fact. And so I'm like, you gotta listen to what the, what their log, algorithms, what yeah. they, what they like and how they want you to do stuff. And so that's kind of how I did that. Perfect. Yeah. So you also have a way, um, for everyone who doesn't know you're, you're, you're a realtor and a broker in, um, in Austin, Texas. What's the name of your firm? Reserve or, Realty. Reserve Realty. You have a gift um that you didn't know that i knew of on how to talk to people that makes the subject matter easy to understand and at the same time not make them feel like an asshole <laughs> um what's where does how did where does that come from I, I mean just just reading your reviews online and and also just communicating with volleyball people and you talking to me um where does that come from no, I appreciate that. Um, I think, I mean, you know, it, I don't know that it's something super conscious. Uh, my parents were both teachers. So I think like having kind of that teacher mentality of being able to, uh, try, you know, try to explain stuff and understanding that not everyone is going to see things the same way that you see them. And so like in a lot of cases, especially as someone who also does kind of like to have not so much arguments, but likes to have discussions amongst their friends, like their arguments. You to, yeah, <laughs> you, but, you, but you need to be able to try to convince someone. You have to be able to try to show to show someone the 
most basic form. Like if you're just trying to have a hard and heavy argument, I'm going to yell louder than you. That's not usually going to get through. And so if you can generally have a way to show specific information, make it relatively easy to understand, I feel like you're a lot more likely to get through to whatever subject you're trying to do, whether it's someone who doesn't understand who who doesn't understand why you called a double a double when they think their hands are perfectly clean or if you're trying to help someone figure out their you know million dollar mortgage and why the interest rate and points and all the closing costs are what they are and they're stressed out of their mind because this is the largest purchase they made in their life like you have to be able to be calm and kind of really just step back kind of get in their shoes and and try to um say say stuff the way reach them where they're at right because everyone's a little bit different as far as how's what the best way that it is to kind of communicate with them and so trying to figure that out is generally going to get you the best results i think um we stumbled on something very important and and i'd like to take the ball and run with it with your permission yeah. right like um i'm i'm i mean i was an acting major right i was in a fine arts okay. program at, at uh, marymount manhattan college graduated my b.a in, in theater performance and there's a reason why like older shakespearean actors are are better performers because they have the mixture of voice and body language that helps you understand it like there mm -hmm. are some people if you ever go to your first shakespeare play you're like uh, uh, uh that's was that that's english? not what they was that not, english it's was like that english yeah was that right, english like no but was yeah. it what, what just happened there I, I what right so you have younger actors that will be like the rascal hath removed my horse and tied him i know not where right and some shakespearean guys is like i don't need that you're stop yeah. just stop you know and then you have the older ones that that are like if i move but four foot by the squire further afoot i shall break my wind I was, I was so, never so much but, you, but you see how both get the point across but one sure. is not um con uh condescending or patronizing yeah. like the the former was more like i'm walking you through it for you guys that think you know that don't know better and and the older guys like i can say it and you get the point right yeah. so yeah um so I guess I'm I was supposed to lead to a question which I forgot, but I was just so I was just so much interacted. No, I think no, I, this is where I was going with this. In a world where you want to have a conversation and there's so many people that are dismissive because you're not a complete expert in that field has mm -hmm. created a huge wall in general communication and introducing a topic, right? Uh, again, we were talking about Rogan, right? That he got in a little hot water for COVID and this and that. And something that escapes people is that he's not bringing you the news. He's just having a conversation. And the yeah. point I was trying to make is in order for experts to educate us, we need a moron to ask the question. Because experts in the virology podcast, or excellent podcast, or or um, uh, a volleyball, uh, um, coach your brains out, John Mayer, right? Very rarely is a person who knows as high IQ in that subject going to ask a question they already know the answer to. They can't manifest in their mind the audience is interested in this question. Or one person yeah. sent me a question, so they represent everybody. You know, some kind of you know nonsensical straw man fallacy. That that guy's a spokesperson for people that don't know volleyball everywhere. You know, um, and 
I, the thing I like it's, about it's you, one, it, it's one of the reasons I think that a lot of times great players don't always make great coaches is that so probably one of these examples in, in high school, I went to a relatively small high school. So we just had like a few math teachers. Right. But so everyone, if you took geometry, you had to have this one math teacher and he was actually really good at math, but he was too good at math. So he could, he didn't, most people didn't like him as a teacher because he couldn't explain the problem when it came in geometry to where, because most kids don't go in, you know, loving math or understanding it or having it just click with them. I've always been good at math. And so like when he would do a problem and he would skip two steps and kind of get to the third step, like I was like, oh, I know how he got there. But if you're not good at that subject, you don't understand how he got there. And so a lot of times experts don't do a great job of explaining stuff because they don't realize the five steps they skipped over to get from A to E. They just realize they got there really quick. And that's what made them great at what they do. But it doesn't always make them the best teachers and coaches necessarily. And since we're on the subject of volleyball, because um, we have a mixed audience, volleyball is a great example. There are oh, any sport, basketball, NBA. I will say this on a general level in, in, in terms of sports, because it's the best way we we that's our wheelhouse as well. And we know how to communicate that. In sports, a great player who turns into a coach is rarely going to hurt your game rarely not never because there's some sure. people that hurt your game too they're just levels to how much they can help mm -hmm. can you help this much or can you help that much jose loyola right now he's a usa beach volleyball coach mm -hmm. his uh, his coaching staff has more coaching experience than him but the man knows how to win yeah. when he was coaching try and trevor i was just like Okay, interesting. And everybody's like, oh, he's a great player. Why wouldn't you want him as your coach? And I'm just like, shut up. Get out of here with that. But then you saw him coach. Uh, uh, it was Manhattan Beach. It was Reed Pretty and Trevor Crabb. Mm -hmm. And was just like, they were splitting block. And Jose's like, no, no, no. His feel uh, and uh, what was going to happen next told him, boom, that went beyond coaching IQ. Just your what your eyes can see. That made him a better coach. Also, English not being his first language helps. Like his assistant coach, Pompilio, and you'll love this, says, good serves make good defense. Five words. That would have taken me a paragraph to yeah. explain the what and the why or whatever about comparing the serving, uh, getting them out of system, they're losing their court vision, blah, 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 blah. I just, I just talked 100 miles an hour when this guy, this son of a son of anada, said good serves make good defense. He succeeds. I failed. <laughs> I no. mean, in that particular regard. So no, exactly. Yeah. So, and that was the point I was trying to make. Sometimes, if you can educate people where they have a general knowledge of something, everybody can educate themselves. Because it's uh, even if you, whether you're the kind of guy where they educate you on something and you're like, "This is interesting. I want to know more," or I educate you on something and you're like, "All right, that's all I need to know about that." And moves on. That's those things are still wins. And those things, we, we as regular civilians should have an opportunity to talk about that, you know? Um, full circle, going back to the real estate thing. I'm really, really impressed that on some of the feedback you got from a lot of your clients that are like, I don't know how to sell a house. Uh, you know, I don't know, interest rates. What do you mean by interest rate? I'm just, I don't even, you know, what? <laughs> you know, no, so. And we do, like, right, in being an expert in the field for me, real estate, like, 
there are definitely times that you have to take yourself out of there and realize, okay, there, my client or the general population isn't going to know as much as you. So you can't, you know, we like to have acronym, you know, every industry has their own acronyms and their own kind of language for how they talk about stuff. And it's, uh, it, it makes, it makes it a barrier to entry, not necessarily intentionally, but it makes it harder to understand when you're talking about PITI and HOA fees and, you know, all this stuff. And for somebody else, they're like, what does any of that mean? And so they like say, being able to explain something in a very simple manner and understand that someone's pro- potentially coming from a very different place. A first time home buyer probably has almost no knowledge of stuff where someone that's made five or six moves in their life and just is, needs to relocate from California to Texas because it's getting too expensive in California and they, you know, their Silicon Valley job made it to Austin. They may not need as much assist. They may not need some of the, real estate 101 because they've you know bought and sold five or six homes in the last 10 to 20 years so yeah no doubt i think also um i guess to summarize this what i was i guess what i was trying to say was you don't need to be a chef to talk about steak (laughs) yeah that's one of the the things that just in general in life has been kind of crazy is one you have people who aren't experts that just want to claim that they're experts and stuff but like we also just don't have near as much dialogue and discussions as it feels like we used to and definitely as much as we should have like you're talking about you know rogan getting in trouble for COVID stuff like people should be able to have a discussion because that's how even smart people need to have discussions with people who disagree with them because it's not that you're they're going to necessarily change your views but it solidifies a lot of times your views because you get here the other side of the coin and so the fact that most it feels like too often uh, there's most people don't, you know, just want to argue instead of having a discussion is kind of right. disappointing. And that's the problem that we need to solve, right? It's some people it's and I mean, some of the pushback on some subject matters you're introduced, the, the argument is impulsive. It's not even like they didn't even take in the whole sentence, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. right. Like, yeah, like at the, at the same point in time though, too, I do believe that in general, it's like, Unfortunately, the news that we hear, the political stuff that you hear right. on both sides, yep, tends to margin or tends to amplify the margins. And so, for most people, right, I think they have a better ability to have discussions. Like it's not as bad as it seems like when you have Republicans and Democrats or left and right media right. stuff talking about whatever. Most people, I call them, have. I call them Democrips and Republicans. Yeah, exactly. Right. With, with, apo- with apologies like, to Crips and Bloods, I ain't trying yeah, to offend yeah. nobody. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it should be, should be like. But I do think most people, it's you know, life is in general more civilized than a lot of times the um, media wants to make it out to seem. No doubt, no doubt. That's why I, it's fun um, to come on podcasts like this because then you get to chat it up with someone else who likes to talk about stuff and it's it's pretty rare on podcasts to that and that's the goal i just want and yeah. i want to want to talk like you're someone that likes having you know. conversations so you yeah. know you usually can go a lot of different places and there's also and nothing wrong with leaving the question out there too because that's something yeah. like post podcast you want to and those are honestly those are even like my favorite films you know like there's a movie called eye in the sky with um helen Mir- mirren um, okay. And I believe the late Alan Rickman was in it, and it was about a drone that you know was going after a certain target that had civilians, right? And and the argument is, do you 
take your target and the civilians around him with it or do you or do you not do it you know so sure. there's this so yeah. there's this argument and there's this 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 inciting incident that puts all of this into play the climatic series like you know consistent with cinema where after the film was over like my wife and i had opposing views <laughs> you know she's like no way would you yes way you would do that i'm like no you don't do that you know and and all because they introduced the subject matter that left the question out there sure inspired conversation and that's that's what my podcast is that's what i'm i'm hoping um I, I like the way your podcast is going. I really, really do. I see the direction it's going, you know? So so, f so for the mo volleyball people who, who thought we were going to be talking about stories about Austin, <laughs> about the AVP qualifier, main draw. All right, cool. Let's scroll up to this part. <laughs> you guys can click up to this part. Uh, I'll timestamp yeah, it. You got to take this part volleyball. of it so people can, yeah, can, skip the, can skip the boring stuff if they, if they want to. So... In the world of volleyball, where there's so much talent everywhere, right? I live in Hermosa Beach, right? If I never left the zip code, I probably have everything I need as far as talent. But I'm a New Yorker, so New Yorkers, we're, we're global, so we know everybody everywhere. So you got on my radar because Rafa, who I've met a couple of times, I had a um, on one of my episodes, Sports Debate Tuesday, and Rob McLean hates talking about volleyball. He says, I'll do the podcast with you. We talk about every sport except volleyball. Anything else? So I made him do this. And it was crazy. It was a nine-minute segment, and all I did was sit there and be quiet. And everybody's like, oh, Jason's not letting this guy talk. And I'm like, he doesn't want to talk about it. Because every time he opens, he's an active player. So every time he opens sure. his mouth, he feels like he's got he's to play against and work with these people. This is partnership opportunities. So I, I get it. So I'm like, fine. You know, even no. Casey Jennings went out there and called him out in the middle of his practice, cursing him out, you know, because of something we said about Casey and Kerry. But so I'm so he's like, no more volleyball. But Rafa and Bobby Jones okay. lives in Austin, Project Serve, right? Doing good things yep. out there. And there were a whole bunch of people like, you got it, you have to put this match on your top five qualifier matches. And and I saw the way you were playing. And I saw a really good block, timely ace. In fact, match point was an ace, right? Um, I was like, who the F, who the, who the F is Troy Schlicker? <laughs> so um, bear with me. I'm going to actually put in a highlight. Um, and we can, sorry, where is it? I got to find it there. No, that's not it. Let's go to the YouTube. All and my exes live is. in Texas. Casada Schickler against Miller and Ryan. This match went to the nightlights, came out, man, and the nobody went home. It was a party atmosphere and another crowd that was main draw worthy. Um, um, Look at me stuttering. Well, he, he who hits the tape wins. And also he who serves left shoulder wins. That's match point. And Casada. That was it. I forgot the that was match point. Name, he yep. and Schick now here's the zoom in. See the backdrop on the crowd? Oh. Oh, hell. Oh, hell it's a, it's no. a, the YouTube commercial. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Aren't, aren't, they, yeah. just, aren't they just wonderful? I'm going to skip that because I wanted to see, to see the, the zoom in of the people behind the camera as well as before. What a great shot. Um, yeah. Austin's a very humid place, right? So you get to... Um, so, Austin, so Austin gets hot. I mean, it, it depends on where you're from, where, right. where you're coming from. Like if you're from the Houston area, if you're from Florida and stuff, Austin feels dry. But if you're from, because California really is really dry. You have the ocean there. You think it'd be wetter, but it's not. It's Desert dry. weather, but 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, in Arizona, then it does feel more humid. And it's just generally pretty hot, um, even earlier in the year, right? So it's, it's, uh, it was, I'm sure, yeah, as far as why, I think we just had a really big qualifier mm-hmm. was one of the reasons. Like, Austin, you know, the AVP had just kind of been getting going to, you know, they'd been in New Orleans a couple years right. prior, right. but they had obviously had their long hiatus. And so, kind of getting going, it was the first year that they were in Austin. Um, I think Austin, I think Texas, in my you know opinion, has probably like the third largest volleyball community, at least beach volleyball community in the country behind California and Florida. And so the fact that it was actually a tournament in the state, we had a lot of people trying to qualify, period, but then also a lot of additional people that love the sport and don't play at an open level, but wanted to support. And then when you had a couple of local kids, which, you know, there hadn't been a Texas team make the main draw and quite a few years it was a lot of fun and then between under the lights it was the only match going so everyone could kind of hang out with it like it was it definitely had a main draw uh feel for sure it really did and i love before we got on the podcast we talked about the um electric atmosphere like something you um can't feel or touch or whatever just this energy um and again humid days or hot days in Houston are warm nights. So it's it's a great nightlife because of that. Like Hawaii is good like that, New York. You know, you New York, New York in the summertime, we're having roof parties because we know humid days or whatever. Hermosa Beach, yeah, have a roof party out here at night. Good luck with that. It is yeah, freezing. Exactly. It is brick. You know, it's true desert weather. So I, I guess I just want to have a little fun with this question. Was there a second win granted to you by the audience, uh, uh, by by the crowd watching? Was there just knowing that you had the win? You were Superman with the wind at your back. I mean, it definitely, uh, it definitely gave you some additional energy. It'd be impossible to to not to not think that. As, I mean, the only way that it could be a negative, I guess, kind of like we were talking about going live on this podcast, right? Like if you're a lot of especially generally qualified um, level teams don't get to play in front of a 500 to thousand no person you know person audience and so there are times that that can get to people i grew up playing basketball and got to play a little bit at a small college even too although honestly my high school games probably bit some bigger crowds than the college college team did but um so I it's for me, it was always fun to be able to feed off that extra energy that was in the crowds. But I also do get kind of locked in. Like I know Rafa was probably a little bit more engaging with the crowd specifically. And and that's the balance. Yeah. And for me, you can like feel the energy around you. But like but at the same point in time, it still just kind of feels like it's us two against those two uh, on the court working to, you know, working to beat him. But yeah, just the, the the overall environment was probably probably had to be my most exciting volleyball tournament that I got to play in or uh, match that I got to play in. I like that. I liked your lof, locked in reference because it really describes a type of athlete, right? Um, for anyone that's ever seen for the love of the game, Kevin Costner is pitching in like unfriendly territory, and he hears all all this all you know all the noise, and then he turns this particular mechanism on and then when it's on he can see them but he can't hear them anymore and that's that's a particular type of athlete that's locked in honestly those 
the from a basketball standpoint, it's harder in beach volleyball because you don't really have you have, might have a little bit of fans for one specific side or the other. Obviously, those guys probably felt like the away team. Yeah. But honestly, being the away team was always kind of the most fun to go into someone else's building, have the other crowd be hyped because they want to beat you and to go in there and silence them and, and beat their team was actually uh, almost more fun than having uh, the home crowd with you sometimes. Yeah, no doubt. Like I, I played in Germany um, mm -hmm. for a military community team and then one of their club teams eventually, um, you know, stuck around, played a little pro ball. You're right, visiting certain places. Uh, the military communities were even wor were worse than the German teams oh, sure. because, you know, like I played for Frankfurt um, and then for Darmstadt and we visited Baumholder or Wiesbaden. Man, the crowds were just crazy and then i was at then i was at hunter college division three program for like one semester for like a cup of coffee i i, yeah. I didn't want to go to college and yeah. you you visit jamaica queens it's a bunch of crazy west indian dudes that 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 are really good ballers and a team that we should have beat 3-0 was like wound up five because of that it wound up in five so i i do appreciate some of the atmospheres um is austin was austin one of your favorite venues to play yeah i mean it's Again, because of the atmosphere, it uh -huh. definitely was. Uh, we got to play one of the qualifier matches earlier in the day on Stadium Court, which was mm. a cool experience as well. Uh, because, it, I mean, the Stadium Court there was built specifically for the tournament. The other courts were kind of courts that we get to play on regu regularly. So in that regard, um, it's kind of fun traveling to some different places and you know to play out on the pier on new york in, in qualifiers or to play actually in uh manhattan beach uh kind of the birthplace there to play there's a fun tournament in aspen colorado mother load over yeah fun i am seen last year too. it's not it's not the best beach it's some, some no some pretty uh it's beautiful pretty shallow sand some pretty shallow sand there but like you're sitting there like li literally in the middle of the mountains uh playing playing volleyball it looks and like so, holland for christ's sakes yeah no exactly right like some of those fiv stops that are in like switzerland or gestad or, or something that's what stops. aspen looks like yeah and so like so those as far as experiences that way were probably more fun because you get to from an austin since i live here you get to play on those courts anyway but you obviously when you're playing pickup or training you don't generally have the the crowd uh there cheering you on too often no doubt um yeah i emceed at aspen last year okay, for, for nice. the motherload I, I'm, I'm gonna do it again it's been a few years since i've been there and so i, I yeah. definitely need to need to make it back it was like one of those last minute invitations and my wife was like go you know because i'd rather have you regret going than regret not going so yeah. got my car drove 11 hours and um you know spent a spent a little bit of money on a, on on a spot yeah, it's un unfortunately yeah. it's not the cheapest place to stay. no but the, peace of mind peace of mind sometimes yeah. has a price right oh yeah <laughs> when when we were uh there this was with a different partner one of the years we were there we got to play against the canadian team that had played in the olympics like a year or two earlier uh josh binstock and marty saxton marty okay saxton yeah right um the, the start of that match didn't didn't go so well, but uh, other than that, we, you know, considering who we were up against, it was like okay, a lot of good local talent out there, right? Like, oh, a ton of good local Lars Bassey yeah. and um, well, Ian Carlson was there. He played with Lars Bassey, who was a local product. They beat Samuels and Burek, yep. and um, Carly Wopat and Spieler made the finals and lost to um, 
Oh my goodness. What yeah, they, they've had a ton yeah. before. I even went there. I know like Katie Patterson Piles. Katie Piles is yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Patterson, like one year, Patterson and uh, Rosie won the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bomb Bombgren brothers won it back to back years. I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of really good players. Casey Jennings and and just, yeah, Casey Jeff Jennings Samuels, won it yeah. not that long ago. Yeah, Derek Zimmerman. How's that for a name for the past? Uh, there you go, Derek Zimmerman. We saw. Uh, I saw Dan and Camacho walk off the court because they didn't like the ref. The ref that they brought in was not good, but he literally like left two thirds of the way through the game, through the second <laughs> second set and stuff. So uh, yeah, there's, and, it's you know, been there's some there's some good stories from Aspen. You know the sad thing is like Camacho is probably right, but he's such a different cat. <laughs> like yeah. everybody was like, oh no, everybody yeah, no, the, the like everybody's like, good. look, Camacho. Like, no, one, no one claimed the ref was good. The other like literally in a prof- in a professional match with the ref, which at that point in time, you just go by what the ref says. The other team gave because he was playing with Zimmerman. It was Zimmerman and Camacho. The other team gave them a point that the ref had given against them because he's like, yeah, that's that's the right thing to do. Like, which generally when you go ref, the ref makes a bad the ref makes a bad call. That's not on you when you're kind of playing at those stakes. So, yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't a good ref, but yeah, also, and it's also the wrong people. guy to make a call against too, right? Like yeah. Camacho is he's a different cat, yo. Yeah, you know, like um, I was coaching Jeff Samuels and Dave Palm, right, and Huntington, mm-hmm. which probably the worst job I've ever done. It was the easiest layup in, in, in qualifier history. We, we, we dropped the last round to um, Brandon Clemens and Dylan Merrick, who, by the way, that was 2019. And talk about two guys that are playing their best volleyball. So I take that yeah. back. I'm not that mad at that. But Palm <laughs> said he was playing in Austin with Camacho. Okay. And we're at dinner and Jeff is like, <laughs> wait, is he, is he still playing? He's still, is he still alive, right? So I'm watching the live stream, right? And during the timeout, Camacho is smoking a cigarette with his right hand and petting a cat. He had a cat in the the player's box. He's petting petting a cat with his left hand. That's, yes. Camacho's a good guy. Talk about someone who's good for the sport, dude. Every sport got to have one of those, man. Every person's unique. Dana's extra unique. <laughs> so you played a lot of um, uh, qualifiers um, with Rafa. So who are some of the yeah. other people that you play with on a regional scene? Yeah, no, I mean Rafa definitely was kind of the, the you guys, one that you guys played real well really together. Because he, so. he's the yeah he's well again like he was kind of the around the first time that um, DVP started to kind of pick back up and. So I know, again, I know they had been in New Orleans a, a few years and, and had been doing, a, obviously, you know, Manhattan Beach had been, you know, had been going strong, like even when the ABP wasn't there for a number of years, you know, the, that that tournament was still going strong. And I'm sure there were some others out in California, but I wasn't really traveling at that point in time. So mm-hmm. the other guys that I played with, um, Kirk Atwood was a longtime partner, but he was a little bit older than me. And so we just played kind of Texas uh, tournaments there against, I mean, against, Guys like uh, Colin Caslow, um, Drew Hamilton, who now is the star coach for the girls out of for LSU. TKN, yeah. So TKN, yeah, we had, yeah, we had we had talked about I, I, a couple of years ago. He had, we had talked about trying to maybe play a qualifier, and so I asked him about playing Austin two, three years ago, whatever it was, and he said he was too out of shape now that he was a coach to want to get in the get in the playing side of him, but a really, really good player. 
Yeah. Uh, an exceptional well, coach. He's turned into a really good coach. An exceptional coach. I, I yeah. look, I've been coaching 25 years, so I know I know I can in five minutes I could separate a glorified babysitter from someone who knows what they're doing to someone saying, Oh my dude, oh my god, that dude's sharp. Um yeah. going all the way to the ladder, I put Drew Hamilton and um quasi in that category. I mean, I, I met him through Russell Brock. Who was a coach at LSU, and they were coaching. They were coaching together at LSU, and they and they moved. They moved as a unit where you didn't even know who the head coach was. They moved as a pair everywhere they went. Sure. The 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 showcases, the get noticed showcases. I um I was doing out here for beach volleyball national events, doing color commentary for that. They were there all the time, you know. Um, so it wasn't just Todd Rogers or John Mayer or like Dan or like the local coaches. They 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 made all the trips and just yeah. shrewd recruiting and just just high IQ coaching. And I'm really really glad to see him with TKN because. I think, I think, and I'm rooting for them to go to the Olympics. Um, women no. for the women, right? Where you're only allowed two teams. It's I personally, oh, it's... I personally think it's a three horse race to a two team Olympics. But you and everybody else has every right to disagree with me and say there's more than three teams in that mix because the women have gotten so good. It's a, it's, it's, it's it could be a bloodbath. Yeah. It could be a bloodbath uh, this Olympic year. No, I mean it'll be interesting because they say I will say it does feel like they're they're deeper. Um, I haven't been following the international the international side of it for women's as closely the last six months to a year. So I don't know if they've had the the top line success. Obviously, of a April or Carrie. I mean, no one really has or has any right to have kind of that level of success like that. Yeah, well, and, we're not, and we're not in love with two years ago. That not, they're not even playing right now, so I'm not yeah. – we ain't trying to be in love, like, with, but, in love but, with the past. Yeah, I, I agree <laughs> that, like, there's easily probably three teams, if not, depending on – you could still easily see teams kind of switch it up in the next six months to make to make a run for it. I mean, mm -hmm. again, you know, Nick and Phil switched it up, like, it halfway through the run – back for brazil and still ended up making it so i don't know that even necessarily all the teams right. are specifically set at this point in time so it'll be well, interesting to see how we, that goes over the next we could talk about the men later i mean that's that's a that's a hot mess so we ain't talking about the men scene right now but like um and we will we're gonna get to them in sure. a minute so i'll tell tell what i'm saying but for any either side that yeah. is trying to do the qualification like it's just you know uh, the men, teams. I'm just happy if but we get one team not, in. <laughs> it may not you be. Yeah. The, the men's side has been challenging. Like I said, on the women's side, yeah, they'll definitely be like, we'll get our two teams. That not worried about that. But it'll be interesting to see if it's going to be the current pairs mm -hmm. of women that are going to stay with it for two years, or will, um, or will there be some breakups and reshuffling with who those uh, women are or who those teams are? Right. I am. Um... So for me, actually, I, I got a speaker volume on in this place. Hold on. I want to get rid of the yeah. I was like, what's all that noise? That's better. Um, so for me, I got TKN, right? I got Sarah Hughes and Kelly, um, Kelly Chang, who are back together. And I th I think it's a perfect storm, like their their breakup all the way and, and the way it's come full circle and the, the 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 various partners they got to play with that shaped who they are now as compared to who mm -hmm. they were then because who they were then were pretty damn good too, right? Oh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, they, they can quickly become the number one seed, and, and I quickly foresee a rivalry between the, those two teams. I see multiple finals where they have to play each other. Uh, on the outside looking in is whoever Betsy Flint plays with because she always finds her way to the finals. And yeah. and then and then that, that's they, been great and sponsors been great. Yeah. I mean, like there's again, there's I like uh, like Betsy and Skulls was good. Sponsor yep. and Cannon, they're 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 I don't know if they're still together, but they they rolled together like a pack like Hamilton and Brock. They did everything together. And um, I think um, who's the guy? Davenport, I think is a very capable coach. Um, and, yeah. I, and they've done some good things. And I was I was there when they won um, Hermosa Beach. You know, I was also there um, when um, Theo Brunner and um, Chalk won Hermosa Beach and Davenport was coaching both those teams. So it was a pretty good um, talk about home. We had a conversation about home field advantage. <laughs> they practice on 24th Street in Hermosa Beach. So it was right there. So yeah, very helpful. Well, you saying it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a, again, a combination at the highest level of skill, uh -huh. but also how teams mesh, right? Because like the Brazilians, their federation, they kind of end up a lot of times choose from what I'm, my understanding is they choose a little bit more of some of the partnerships and again on paper you're usually talking about a couple you know a few of the best players in the world but sometimes that doesn't always necessarily make the best team and right. so obviously with um with sarah and chang they have you know obviously a lot of history being an amazing team together and so that storm. should yeah. That's you know why everyone's on top of them each being individually really amazing players. Everyone's kind of like shooing them in, almost starting to pe pencil them in at first spot just because they've had so much success together. And but that can be the tricky thing with other partnerships is there's some that seem to work really well, and then others that are a little bit you know right. feel like they should work really well on paper and a little bit more. Well, they got they have a TKN problem though. I'll tell you that. They got a Kristen Nuss and Taryn Cloth problem. They got a, they got two girls. Um, I said this before. There's not t uh, very many killers in this game. Um, when I say killers, I mean Misty May. I mean um, Jackie Silva turning the clock way back. Um, the type of person that like if you serve them, they they have this attitude like they're gonna f you up and make you wish you never did. And there are a lot of female players on the scene that are aggressive and have a little mm -hmm. bit of that but they're not they're not true killers the only true killers right now that are currently in the game are betsy flint and, and Kristen nuss i can't say that about sponsor uh, as much as i like her i can't say that about sarah hughes um they can can they play yes are they champions yes are they ballers yes but i i cannot insult the real killers of the game by putting everybody in that same category so chang and flint Chang, sorry, Chang and Hughes got it. They got a TKN problem because those girls are choosing to march to the beat of their own drum. They yeah. are, you know, a lot of people said they should move out here to get competition. They're like, no, thanks. We're good. We can, we can, we save more money going to go, you know, two weeks at a hotel, train out there, train here, train whatever. The state of yeah. Louisiana, um, the lieutenant governor called them and said they're sponsored by the state of Louisiana. Nice. You got Drew Hamilton as your coach. You, as a player, and I'm going to give you the floor because I could talk about volleyball all day. As a player in in this in a in this professional sport, you have to go where the good coaching is, and you have to go where the good training facility is because you can visit wherever you want. Don't don't be coming to California where they pick up all your secrets. They pretend to be your friend the whole time. They're 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 picking up all your secrets on how to beat you. Get the hell out of here with that. They know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, but at the, at, at the same point in time, I mean, so one, like you don't because 
at the highest level, like I say it's really kind of training on your specific things. You don't have to go against other amazing teams all the time, right? Like there, there's a level as you're trying to work your way up that you kind of do need that competition against other qualifying level teams or against the occasional open level or main draw team to really kind of test where you're at and kind of see where some of your flaws are. But especially as a, like a qualifier team, right? Because you don't get a chance to play the main draw guys or even some of the top qualifier guys because we're coming from all around the country. And so you're locally, you might think, oh, well, this works all the time, but suddenly, um, so for in Texas, I should have qualified um, in Hermosa with Orlando. Uh, another year, but we oh. lost. Yeah, we lost in a three-setter. And I had, um, I needed to side out better is what it came down to. And I didn't do well enough hitting some high lines over Andy Brennish. But we don't see a lot of UCL, UCL, USC middle blockers in Austin, Texas, right? There's not, there's no uh, men's indoor volleyball in Texas. And so you don't have blockers of that size here to go against. And so there were about well, maybe three plays where he didn't block, but just got enough of a piece of a high line that would go down in Texas every day of the week. But once he barely touched him, Cole was able to pick him up. They turned him in a couple of points. And then, you know, you lose by a couple of points in the last round to qualify in the third set. And, and, but you can't. So for me, for that part of it was hard to really put into practice without going against someone of, of that level. Like, right. So now you can come back home and try to train on that specific thing, but it's, but it's a little challenging. Once you're at the, at the highest level, like, uh, like they are, you know all those things about all the other players. Hey, this is going to be a problem, or I've got to do this to beat, you know, a block by Chung or to beat Sarah's defense and those kind of components. And so you can right. train that and just run the drills because the drills are really more where it's at than playing the games against the other people. But to understand how good that drill has to be, the, the proficiency you have to run that drill with in order to beat the top level players can be challenging when you're a qualifying team, not from California that doesn't get to play um, against elite, elite competition all the time. Fortunately, right. Texas has gotten, um, we've gotten some taller blockers in the last few years, which have made it easier, but no, I don't play as competitively as much. So. No, I, I, I think we both, we both, we're both echoing, echoing the sentiments of iron sharpening iron. There's definitely, yep. there's definitely no debate about that. That's, that's, we can have an argument about agreeing on that, but for, for the fans, but at the end of the day, you and I see eye to eye on that. I was actually making more reference to the sample size of the iron sharpening iron, right? Like I'll give you two examples, both, both from New Orleans, right? Evan Corey uh, moved mm -hmm. out here. Right. Um, still searching for, you know, at the time, trying to figure out the whole partner situation at the same time, getting great reps. He's with the USA volleyball team, Jose, you know, surrounded by a whole bunch of Brazilian coaches, uh, fine tuning him, playing against Andy Banesh, playing against all these all these good players and doing what he has. And then you got Kristen Nuss and Taryn Cloth, who who make the trip out here six times a year. And and that's the perfect storm for them. They <laughs> they they won the most titles uh, last year. Right. Not being here. Um and there are levels to that, but there are also levels to that, to that, right? There's Qatar. Does Qatar uh, do training groups? No, they do not. <laughs> they, I mean, they, they'll make the trip to Spain because Cabrera and Herrera, one of the oldest teams, they're more than willing to accommodate them. Mull and Sorum, who have the volleyball academy out there in Norway there. You know, so they, they I think, you like you said, you have to have a healthy balance 
of not just knowing what someone looks like, but the actual feel of being in there with them, right? The old saying is you're not going to get better at something by not doing it, right? So you can't you can't play against Andy, guys like Andy Banesh without having Andy Banesh sometimes, right? You you can't. There's no way to simulate that. You know? There's no yeah. You can no. you can think oh this is what it's going to be like, yeah. but again, especially someone for me who uh -huh. grew up playing basketball and picked up beach mm -hmm. volleyball as a sport after graduating college, yep. like you don't have like you 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 have an idea but stepping into the ring stepping into the court with that type of player and athlete is different than, than what you think <laughs> kind of going kind of going back to you know was i nervous playing in that qualifier i wasn't not because i'd played in a in a beach volleyball situation with that many people but i played enough basketball and other sports with the crowd that the crowd wasn't going to affect me but if if you had only ever played you know, even if you'd only ever played on Hermosa Beach and trained with some good players and now suddenly you're having to play in front of a thousand people, it might have an impact on you because it's not a situation that you're used to playing. There's a reason, especially on the men's side, that a lot of times the more veteran players are the ones that tend to do better. One, I think it's that they understand that a high line is every bit as good as a smash kill that everyone's going to go nuts over. And so they sometimes make the smarter shot, but it's also just the reps of being in those situations are usually um, beneficial. And even though Mull and Sorum are super young, they've been doing it at a super high level for a long time because of their volleyball academy. Right. And so like, people don't take that into account when they think you can get your 10,000 hours whenever you want. They just started a lot younger than me. It's people. also superior coaching too. Let's just call yeah. it what it is. They have better coaching out there. Um, and there, uh, I always say, as far as positive reinforcement, the combination of positive reinforcement and tough love, no championship exists exclusively on one or the other. But th those guys are hardcore out there, and, and they're so thick-skinned and so prepared mentally for tough situations that you you don't see them melt. <laughs> you don't see. It's, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, again, it's crazy how often they'll go to a three set, but mm -hmm. still always call it out. Like it's just there. I'd be it'd be interesting to see what their percentage of winning of Matt of the percentage of matches that are won in the, in the third set. Cause I, it feels like it's at mm -hmm. 90 some percent, which just seems crazy at that level. Or in our, your experience as a player and my experience as a player and a coach, we can tell the people coming up after us that championships are not won on blowouts. They're won on two point victories mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, on a smaller scale. I had a high school team in New York that won the PSALs, the, you know, 38 and one yeah. record. And we were 39 and three in games decided by two points. So you look at a 38 and one record, but you look at the sets one by two points 39 and three that, that that record can go another way if you lose yeah. some of those sets so you know but great year that was 2014 psal champs good kids uh madison square square garden I, they won't they gave me coach of the year for that so that was that was that's fun. awesome that was fun that's really cool um but honestly like those are just the smartest kids i've ever i mean these are grad student type high school kids they led hunter high school led the nation in um recruitments uh in um cumulative sat scores <laughs> and ivy league application acceptance for 15 straight years your, your, your typical volleyball powerhouse yeah the first championship team to produce no ncaa players <laughs> and we know why right like awesome. if you get accepted to yale right does yale have a volleyball team no they don't 
They don't have a men's volleyball team. George Santos might think they have a volleyball team, but they don't, all right? <laughs> Remember that guy, that politician? There's a politician in yeah. New York that ran on like 15 different lies and got elected. And well, the one lie that I hated was the volleyball lie. I can forgive anything in politics, right? You, If someone lies and says they work for Goldman Sachs, or they, they turn down city core, or they're actually Jewish, which is a big New York lie. Yeah. Um, and you get elected. You know what? I look at that person and I'm like, all of those lies, and I'm like, he's going to become president someday. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be president someday. But when he started lying about volleyball, he said he got like a full volleyball across scholarship. The, the line, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he went too far. He said he got a full uh, athletic scholarship at Baruch College. And, and the year he played, they wiped the floor with Harvard and Yale. And I'm like, first of all, New Yorkers already knew it. But anyone that sure. plays volleyball, it doesn't pass your sniff test, right? Yeah. Like, one, again, Yale doesn't have an NCAA team. And two, Baruch is Division three, and Division three doesn't offer athletic scholarships. So, so you, 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 you're like, oh, idiot, you know? But in 2010, they did when, wipe the when, floor. They did wipe the floor when, with Harvard, though. In 2010, yeah. when, when you when you're used to lying, it's, you know you don't like you feel like you don't have to fact check your lies. Yeah. Well, from one honest person to another, I quote Jesse Ventura: "If you what did he say? He says if you tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory." <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so. How do you find real estate rewarding? I'm going to ask you the tough question. I'm going to seem, uh, yeah. uh, um, uh, I guess, get ready for it. In a, in a trade that's motivated mostly by monetary gain, where like there's a there's very few people that say they get into real, real estate because they love it. They get into real estate because they want to make money, right? Sure. Um, and I wrote this question down because I, you know, I veer off sometimes. So the question is, how do you find reward in a business that leans more towards monetary gain as a mission? Yeah. Um, so I think the way I got into real estate is probably different than most other people. Like I was working at Bank of America for a few years and then got into their mortgage department. And so did mortgages for a number of years and then was kind of ready to be done with the huge corporate America life and having to um, not be able to get things done because of all the red tape and bureaucracy. And so when I was going to leave there, I was like, well, I could go and become a mortgage loan officer somewhere else. Or with that knowledge, I could be like, oh, I could go and be a real estate agent and then have potentially more, more freedom and more, but also more responsibility, right? Like there's plenty of people who have their real estate license who don't, you know, don't do it as a full-time job. But if you, talk to them about it, I'm sure would love to tell you that they did an amazing, you know, year last year kind of thing. And so, uh, so I didn't get I did. in it specific. Yeah. Right. I so got, I didn't no, I have just, one from New York, but sorry, I got yeah, my, yeah, yeah, I took the test. Sorry. Go ahead. But yeah. Right. Like, it, and again, it's nothing wrong with people that have their license, but also at the same point in time, like if you, you know, if you've had your license for four years and you've only helped your sister and your brother-in-law, like, then don't say that you're a top luxury agent, agent in Austin, Texas, like that's not, you know, but, uh, but so I didn't necessarily get it just because I'm like, oh, real estate, that's a way to make money. It was like I was already had it as a career and was like, well, I just want to veer away from the mortgage side of things into the real estate side of things. And so um, but you're running your own business, you know, you're 100 percent commission based. So there's definitely a draw good and bad to, hey, if I work really hard, I can make a decent amount of money. And But 
you also, I mean, it, it really kind of comes down to your personal values, right? Like there's definitely agents that I've seen who have done stuff that I would never do that is shady, that probably unethical. I don't know necessarily, necessarily illegal per se, but I would say is pretty un, is we unethical. Use, we could use the word grimy. Go ahead, but go ahead. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so it's like, but if you really want to do, like if you're not in it to try to make a quick buck, which you can be in, you can try to make a quick buck in a lot of things. You can try to be coaching valuable and make a quick buck, you know, just doing summer summer programs and not be a good coach, but know, hey, I know there's a lot of parents in this rich neighborhood that will pay for their kids to, to go somewhere. So it's it really comes down to what why you want to do something. And for me, I want to build a career out of it. And so the biggest way that you're going to build a career out of something is by having good referrals, like you had mentioned, I appreciate that, that are people who are going to want to refer their friends and family and want to do repeat business with you. Uh, and so to do that, you have to put their interest ahead of your own. Like it can't be a matter of, uh, hey, you know, we need to close like too many agents because they're not doing a ton of business feel stressed about having to close a deal because they need to make a commission check where no, the thing you have to do is, is this the right thing for my clients? Is this the right property? Is this the right situation? If they need to back out because the inspection is, you know, isn't not that it's an awful home, but it just is too much and it's stressing them out and they need to back out. And so it's really about as much as you can have that pull of like, well, Hey, if I say the right thing and do the right thing, that also means I don't get paid now. You have to know that it really is going to benefit you long term to do the right thing. And so, unfortunately, too many people are short sighted in that. That's a very good answer because, you know, um, I guess it's a, it comes down to the individual. Like, do you sleep at night? How do you sleep at night? Um, what do you tell your kids? You know, when your kids, people ask what your dad, what dad, what does daddy do? You know, um, and at some point you want to be like, I want my kid to say this. I, I heard a good quote not that long ago. It was, it said, how you make your money is more important than how much money you make. Mm. Right. So like, do you have, are you honest and ethical in how you're actually making your money versus, oh, great. You know, I made X, Y, Z and someone else, you know, made half of that. Kind of yeah. So again, in the short term, it may seem like the person that was unethical or, you know, grimy and made more money you know, is driving the nicer car and seems like they're, they're winning, but it, usually it doesn't play out that way. Right. Or, or the older saying is, what is the profit of man if he gains the world, but loses his soul? Right. No. <laughs> My answer to that um, um, is always, how much are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> there what are, the exact, there are the compensations that I'm selling my soul for. <laughs> there are compensations. <laughs> Give me three bullet points on um, something that makes you a successful realtor in Austin. I guess maybe, for example, in, in terms of just knowing your area, location, um, the market flow. Um, give me give me three good examples. People want want to be a better realtor. They know about Mister Mister Choice Liquor here. Um, the floor is yours, my man. No, I'd say um, one we kind of touched on it, first thing is communication, yeah. right? Like having good communication with people, getting back to them timely manner, being able to discuss things um, in terms that they're going to understand uh, and also listening. I've had plenty of clients who will end up working with me who were like, yeah, six months ago, we were kind of working with this other agent and they were taking us to homes that were not of interest to us at all. Like it was like the agent 
bought this home. They, they liked this home. So you, of course you're going to like this home. And it's like, I've sold homes that I would never personally buy, not because they were bad homes, but because this is what my client wanted. And my idea of what I want, want in a home is different than that. And so communication and listening to your clients for sure. Uh, another big bullet point for me has definitely been that mortgage experience, right? So I understand a lot of a lot of real estate agents aren't necessarily always as good with the numbers. The numbers are easy for me. Uh, and so being able to understand that and help people uh, with the, the mortgage side of things, the understanding what they're going to profit from on a home, why we should sell it at this price. And so understanding the numbers is is important as well, too. And then, again, I think the other big thing is understanding having an understanding that this is going to be one of the most stressful um, month or so of, of someone's life if they're when they're ready to buy or sell a home, right? And they're in the middle of that process. Like you, life doesn't, just because you have to now sell your largest asset or buy something that's 10 times more than the car you bought, doesn't mean that the rest of your life gets put on hold. And so all the work stuff you have going on, all the family stuff you have going on gets added to the fact that you now are considering a 30-year mortgage on a million-dollar property when the most expensive thing you've ever bought in your life is a forty dollars or $50,000 car, $80,000 yeah. car, like that's can be uh, a little daunting. And so understanding that people are going to have uh, have stress about it, have second thoughts, and be able to just talk them through it and kind of going back to the communication and making sure it's in their best interest and is kind of the other the other big thing. Knowing the markets is definitely important, but that the market also changes depending on the client, right? Like, you know, if you have a client that's looking at condos versus, you know, single family homes and the good school district, that'll kind of change the some of the market dyna dynamics that you need to to keep top of mind. Did you notice um somewhat of an exodus the last two or three years, uh Californians moving to Austin? Yeah, I mean, California has always been, or since I've lived here, I've been in Austin now for about 18 years. The, about the entire time I've lived here, California has always been the number one out-of-state area for people to relocate to Austin from. Uh, I, you know, having the big tech space here makes it relatively easy for a lot of the people from Silicon Valley to, you know, we have Google offices, Apple offices, all those kind of things. And so it's very easy to transfer and still work here. And so we definitely saw during the pandemic, a lot of people from California, more people from the Northeast, although I think a lot of them moved more Florida, yeah. kind of had people New York down to Florida and then kind of West Coast to Texas and Arizona. But we got more Northeast than we had generally of people who were like, well, I don't want to, why would I live in a studio apartment that I can't leave? or a tiny one bedroom, you know, as, as nice as Hermosa Beach was, if you're not even allowed to go on the beach, which was a crazy concept. That me. was, yeah. Like you can social distance and get some exercise on the beach, but whatever. It's the very um, essence of so, social distancing. <laughs> yeah, right, like, yeah, okay. But anyway, so, so yeah, we definitely saw an influx, but it's always been, um, it's always been the state with where the most kind of people are coming from from out of state, but we actually see way more intrastate movement, which happens, I think, in a lot of states that you oh, don't always okay. think about. Like there's more Dallas and Houston and San Antonio people and also people moving around to the four cities for different things that way, um, even even more so. But we definitely saw an influx from other areas that were not as, where the cost of living was more expensive. And so if you're gonna have to be stuck at home all the time, why not have a three bedroom house instead of a one bedroom apartment? 
right. and Makes where you could and and in states that where you could actually go for a walk and not have that be a big issue. Uh, yeah, I have a friend Carter Miles who's a big yoga guy that moved from California, mm-hmm. he, and he had um, he's basically a rock star here in the South Bay. I'm like, why, yeah. you know, why the hell did you leave? But there are a lot of the reasons that you um, um, explain in your yeah, di- like you're, in, you're, you're, in you're here in your yoga studios. I mean, some were doing smaller classes, some would do it outside. Like they yeah. were just, you know, they were still being safe, but it wasn't like stop doing any physical activity like that. Just doesn't make any sense if you're trying to keep people healthy. Either. No, no doubt. No, no doubt. But I, I man, I miss that guy. I miss all, I miss a lot of people. And that's the reason why I was asking is there's a lot of my friends that were like to hell with us. I'm moving sure. to Texas. We, you know, we talked about Rogan in and out of this podcast, right? He lives in, he lives in Texas right yeah. now. So, so I, I, I definitely appreciate that. And I definitely appreciate the bullet points. I also appreciate like you saying, knowing how long you want to be somewhere, what your situation is new, as a New Yorker, right? Uh, yeah. Friends that live in a hole in a wall for like $2,500 a month, but they're single. They they don't spend a lot of time in their place. They're traveling a lot. They they have a nightlife. You know they they, they, they like they like the rest of what New York has to offer them. Yeah, right? to be able to the connections, the food, the restaurants, the nightlife, location. The life, New York location things. is everything in the world. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I'm born in Brooklyn. Flatbush Avenue, which is nicer now, but that's definitely not, <laughs> definitely not my mommy's and daddy's Flatbush right yeah, now. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, then for a little while, I lived in Queens, which in Forest Hills, Kew Gardens got so expensive. I just moved to the city. <laughs> I was like, if, if I'm going to pay this much, why do I got to cross a bridge to go to work? I might as well just. So I lived in Harlem, you know, got my cheap on, put myself through college. That was a two bedroom place because I, I got a two bedroom place before, you know, uh, Bubba, Bill Clinton decided to live there. Um, and then I finished eventually on owning a place on 87th and West End, which is nice. near the park. You know, my favorite karaoke spot oh, on, on 86th is a parlor, right? The beach courts are, in fact, the beach courts were closer via walk from 87th from where I was to the actual beach here in Hermosa Beach. So, yeah, so, yeah. great love triangle. And, you know, the, some of the best restaurants in the world, of course, Lincoln yeah. Lincoln Center, Shakespeare in the Park, whatever. It's just a great, just, it was, um, it was, it was very much like Austin, you know, so. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, cult- culturally, you can't compare it to be able to have so many authentic, you know, restaurants and obviously all the other components, museums and things that, happen in new york city it's uh it's a it's a fun place to visit at the one point in time i thought i might try to live there for just a couple of years i knew it would never be like a long uh long t- time term thing if i ever did but now i've realized that i just enjoy visiting and because when when you live there you got to work there and so that doesn't sound near as you know, yeah. exciting yeah <laughs> right <laughs> And honestly, it really depends on what you're doing there. Like I worked in a cardiology practice for 17 years, so I was kind of rat racing the commute. And then, um, you know, when my boss retired and they basically let go of the staff, I'm like, this is a good time to get like three volleyball jobs. <laughs> so, so, and man, let me tell you something. And this is for everybody listening because I know I sound like I'm making everything about me, but I'm so not. If you're not a nine to five person, you need to fight like hell to change that situation as if your life depends on it because it really does. Um, not casting any aspersions on nine to five people. There are people that have value in knowing that they have to be somewhere at a certain time. They're putting in the work. Maybe they like the work. Maybe they don't, but that's not relevant. They're, they're in. They know they get to leave at a certain time and, and good for them uh, because that's that's their stream. But if that's not sure. your stream, man, man, get trust me. I'm not. 
17 well, years is a long even, time. <laughs> I would say not even just like if you don't like the nine to five, but right, like if you literally have you know, what they call it, like the Sunday scaries, like if you dread the thought of Monday rolling around, like you need to try to get into something else because yes. not that not that being able to go play beach volleyball shouldn't be more fun than what you do for a living potentially. But at the same point in time, like you have to spend your, you know, however, however old you are, I'm 43 now. So I'm going to, you know, have to work for at least the next 30 years, probably longer than that. Cause hopefully I'll enjoy it. But like, if you, even if you only work 40 hours a week for the next, you know, 30 years, that's a whole lot of effing hours to have to work to not somewhat enjoy it, if not really enjoy it. And right. so, definitely say yeah i would agree 100 you have to fight like hell to try to um enjoy enjoy as, as if your as much, life in, to, to get to a place where you can enjoy it and there are definitely times right now right the economy is a little bit trickier now so you might have to stay in a job that you don't like quite as much because there aren't a bunch of jobs opening companies have been laying people off and mm. you know there are people that have to put kids through school and there's all different kinds of situations but they like say that doesn't mean you don't try to fight to make it happen if at all possible yeah, I got to tell you, the job I had, though, look, it, I already knew it wasn't a career, but I knew yeah. that the flexibility of the job allowed me to do a bunch of things. It allowed me to, you know, go on auditions, you know, my major state of performance. It allowed me to coach NCAA part, you know, all of those part, part-time positions on the East Coast, which are really like full-time work, but part-time positions. Yeah. Um, and the the boss who I, I worked for was like this doctor of the stars. And there was so much stuff that happened in that, that office. I can write a memoirs on just the celebrities that come in and out. And, and you know, him being in movies, he was in A Beautiful Mind because um, he knew Dr. Nash. He was in okay. Men on the Moon because he knew Andy Kaufman. And a lot of those those movies he played himself, he played Dr. Rosenfeld. So so just uh, it was just a great, I, I think for that time period, it's so well worth it. But but yeah. you, you and I are, are, are very, very much in agreement and, and as a teaching tool to people like, you know, it could be a good time or it can suck. And if it sucks, man, fight like hell to change it <laughs> as, as if your life depends on it. <laughs> so I guess I want to do lightning rounds. We do uh, the, the, these, these, I do with all of my guests at the end. Huh? Um, I'll see if I can be brief. Let's do that. Um, 60 seconds. Well, the way, I mean, look, you're, you're all about your business. You're probably going to be done in 35 seconds. So, but I'm setting the clock at one minute just to see what's up. And is it up? There it is. There goes our minute. It is. All right. So, Let's begin. Um, favorite comedian? Oh, Jim Carrey. Last good book you read? Um, I can't think of the name. There's a book out by the hostage, FBI hostage negotiator, and I can't think of what the book's called right now. All right, we'll come. At, we'll That's going to drive me nuts. Marvel, Marvel or DC? Marvel. Pool or beach? Beach. Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Lord of the Rings. Favorite sport outside of beach volleyball? Uh, basketball. Favorite action film star growing up? Um, probably Harrison Ford. Uh, the one person in the history of time you'd like to have dinner with and, and pick their brain. I do not know. Um, there's so many good ones. My horn didn't honk. There was, the no, horn was no, no, supposed no. to honk. <laughs> oh, no. When I the time like hit zeros, like, you're supposed to hear a yeah. beep beep. 
Hold like on. maybe like Michelangelo or somebody. From, yeah. Because I think it'd just be an interesting time period as well as somebody who's mind of you kind of like Da Vinci. Right. Hold on. We gotta we gotta go back because we have to hear the horn. Where is it? <laughs> and... So Da Vinci. There it is. <laughs> Leonardo. I just, you just now you just edit that out. No, perfect. It never. <laughs> Come check out the option. Nice. Always oh, perfect. No, nah, we, we. I put everything in real time. No, nah, there's only. Yeah, no, you're good. There Thank was. I had Chrissy Jones. Uh, that was the only time I've ever edited out something in an episode because we both told the joke that we thought was funny and then we didn't smile. She's like, you know, can we take that out? You know, she she's one of the the um the good girls. You know, so yeah. yeah. And I'm also a fan of hers. Like sure. like uh between you and me, like I'm a volleyball purist. So I yeah. don't actually follow particular players. But with that being said, I have three exceptions on the men and three exceptions on the women. So the women is TKN, that's two. And um, Chrissy Jones, who's not even playing right now. And for mm -hmm. the men, it's Theo and Trevor, who are actually now on the same team. They're, they're, okay. they're teaming up. And Baranek, Eric Baranek. Nice. I, I like guys that that allow people to take the journey with them. It's just, just that type of character that's inviting, you know? So, yeah. Troy, um, anyone that wants to get with you uh, um, and has questions or just, just a fan of yours, where can they, is there a particular site, IG handle, stuff like that? I would go, so I have a website and that you can find IG handles or LinkedIn or phone numbers if you want to get in touch with, you know, real estate stuff. So it's just my name, Troy Schlicker, uh, com. I like it. All right. So Troy might love you guys, but I don't love you guys. In fact, I can't stand you. So for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPad, for all of you on your desktop or Droid or whatever it is, who runs the world, baby? Old school people. Old school from my man, Troy Slicker, right there. There he is. I'm Jason DeBellis. This is 167 of the Option Podcast. Stay with me as I'm going to hit my music, but we are out of here. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.